everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. Hello, Mike. Hey, what's going on, sweet little baby girl? Oh, just getting back into a routine again. Good to have you back. Yeah, you've been in Portland, Maine. I have. I took my eighth annual girls trip. Yeah, not always to Portland, Maine. First time going there with I've the girls. I've never been to Maine. Yeah, but uh, it's pretty pretty neat. So, I mean, it's not a huge town, right? No, it was very cute. Um, chilly, but beautiful. Is there nice. anything scary about it? No, that's like Savannah, right? Or no, not Savannah. What's it? Charleston. Well, no? the house we were staying in was built in 1889, so it uh-huh. is old. Well, anything built like like over 100 years ago is probably haunted. Yeah, so. so we had one of my girlfriends, her room had a closet that was like a walk-in and there was a chair sitting in there. So we said that was the ghost chair. Like they come and sit in there and watch her sleep. Yeah, which is nice. <laughs> so we were pretending it was roaming around. We're like, get in your chair. <laughs> Anytime uh, like the kids are worried about ghosts or monsters or something, I'm like, okay, think about the news. Have you ever heard the news be like, okay, yesterday somebody was killed by a ghost. Blah, 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 blah. Like, exactly. No, that's, that never happens. It's not a real thing. So now I know, you know, there's, there's, other supernatural things happening that people think about. I'm not a believer in those sort of things. That's okay. But mm-hmm. I'm not against people that see it. I, I wish a ghost thing would happen to me so I could believe in it. Yeah, so. it's pretty cool. Yeah, but so, so Portland, Maine, pretty cool? It was. It was great. The lighthouses were beautiful. And uh, it's just good to get away and see a new town. I love that. And Lenny Lobster Tail? Uh-huh. I had shared a lobster roll with my girlfriend. And then we got we shared lobster... Um, Pasta, mac and cheese. Oh, okay. Yeah. I shared all my meals with my friends just because the portions are like ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, we're living in America here. So yeah, I was thinking uh, I got a, a hamburger with our son after football the other night. And he got himself a Big Mac, but I just got myself a hamburger. And I was like, I think this hamburger was like a regular meal for a human being back Mm -hmm. in the 1950s. That's true. I mean, (laughs) they show the evolution of how our portion sizes have expanded. Yeah. And you go to a restaurant, especially a nice restaurant, and it's not even a huge plate, but it's just like more than a human should consume. Oh, it's we shared our pasta and we both had a bunch left over. Yeah. And I say that being an obese uh, individual. No, you're not. Well, I'm I'm like a 31 BMI. You're a dietitian. So tell me, what does that mean? Factually speaking, Yes, but again with BMIs, it's the same calculation for both men and women. And you were standing behind me today as I was brushing my teeth, and you are a very large, structured man. I, I only had underwear on when I was doing that too. Oh, I so, know. It folks, was just picture that. Very difficult for me to keep my hands to myself, <laughs> folks. <laughs> but nice thing, we were in our own bedroom, so that was fine. Yeah, uh, you could have. So it's October first. We're officially into what people like to say spooky season. It is spooky season. It's official. I just flipped over the calendar. This morning it's like okay here we are october you got the or allison makes a, a custom calendar every year so with photos yeah it's got photos of pictures and um trick-or-treating and all this kind of stuff and the, you go to all the stores they've got everything front and center for halloween so you decorated out front yesterday yeah yeah a little bit so while you were gone you you requested it so. i did i was like i don't want to have any part of that can you please do it while i'm not here you normally don't have a part of it do you or oh every year really okay mm-hmm. well but again here in florida you're decorating for halloween it's 90 degrees out outside yeah like portland maine i got a little that was different i got a little sunburn last night (laughs) i mean there you go yeah but we were kind of chilly in portland it was great yeah well not so much here yeah no uh, what else is going on with you um i it was a busy week had football going on you know cameron's football game our son and uh, I'm the PA announcer. I don't know if I've ever announced oh, we've, that. Yeah, we've, we've talked, talked about, about that. that. Okay, so I have terrible memory. So um, yeah, it was it was exciting. I got like the computer hooked up to the system. I was like a DJ slash PA announcer. I played like the pumping up songs. I played the like in between songs, the national anthem. I selected. Oh, it was so I didn't like pre-select which one. So I just typed in "Star Spangled Banner" into Amazon Music, and it was like this horrible MIDI oh, version. Man. So it embarrassing. Everyone in the stands is probably like, "What the." I like pride myself on pretty decent audio, you know, and it's just like, (laughs) I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. You must have been cringing the whole time it was playing. I was like thinking, can I change it in the middle? I'm like, no, I can't. We just got to go with it. We have to just ride this out. Yeah. And the the scorekeeper next to me, he does a scoreboard. He's like, "Um," I was like, I'm sorry about this music. He's like, that's fine. What? What's the matter? I'm like, no, this is horrible. I should (laughs) have done like the Marine Corps or something. He's like, or like Whitney Houston. I'm like, yeah, really anything would be better than this right now. Oh man. uh, I was so embarrassed, but the rest of the game was okay. So I did, you know, enter Sandman for when the team entered the field, and then uh, Thunderstruck when the game's about to start. I got all the like the timing down; it was pretty good. So I'm getting better. It's my second time. Well, and that's just the thing—you'll get better every time. And like I said before, it's my bucket list item to have done this, and it's yeah. a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, we were busy while you were gone. You were only gone like Wednesday to three nights. Yeah, no big Saturday, deal. So it was like it was almost like a flash. I mean, yeah. you know, if we were sat still, we missed you. But and before I left, I said 
said to Mike, I'm like, are you going to miss me? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, are you just saying that or do you mean it? And he's like, I'm just saying it. <laughs> no, see you later. <laughs> bye bye. All right. Go, go on. Go on. <laughs> go with your friends. Okay. And yesterday was our two year pot anniversary. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to like clap somehow. There we go. There we go. Hey, all right. Yeah. All 2021, right. September 30th, yeah. we started our first episode. So like you said, you know, you come a long way, like what I would cringe to go back and hear our first episode. I wouldn't. I think it'd be a-okay. Maybe. I felt like a fish out of water. I yeah. mean, I still do sometimes, but. No, you've been, you've been much better. Yeah, I'd um, say. That's good. So, All right. Well, are hey, you ready? You, well, actually, if uh, I want to say a little quick little message to the listeners. A lot of people say it feels like sitting around a, a kitchen table and like kind of talking to your friends when we do our podcast. And that's exactly what we're going for. Just kind of like, hey, let's hang out and talk about this unfortunate story and how much of a scumbag some human being being decided to be and listen you know remember these people that have been part of it but also it's about you know us just being kind of a, a mom and pop podcast here and you know we're not part of some huge network we don't have a ton of advertisements and if you guys love what we're doing we'd appreciate you to come on over to patreon and become a subscriber so as little as five dollars a month to for uh, bonus episodes you can get access to up to like 30 bonus at 32 33 bonus episodes. yeah we'll come out with another one this week so yeah come on over and then we'll say your name uh, every podcast episode yeah, so thank you guys so much for being here. So we'll jump right into this. So this is the sad story of the murder of Michael Shaver. And this is a listener suggestion from Anna Michelle. So it was February 16th, 2018. And a man named Scott Amatucho called police and requested a welfare check for his friend. This was Michael Shaver. Since no one had seen him, and this is going to be crazy, since November 15th, 2015. So again, the last time anyone recalls seeing him was around November 15th of 2015. This welfare check is happening on February 16th, 2018. Wow. So they're so, like, hey, um, anybody seen Michael recently? It's like, no, not since November. Years had gone by. So more than oh, two wait, years. Wait. So 2017. <clears throat> no, the February 16th, 2018 is oh, the welfare check. So three years. Or it was more three, than okay. two years. Wow. Yeah, so Michael was a former commercial pilot who had been working at this point in time when he was last seen. As a mechanic, he was maintaining the monorail system at Disney World in, in Orlando. So all of a sudden, in November of 15th, he ma messaged his boss and just quit. And in the time that he had been missing, his wife, Lori Shaver, told family and friends that Michael had abandoned their family and their children to start a new life with a new woman. So that was the word on the street. That's why so much time had gone by. So Scott felt that the situation was very suspicious. Lori was claiming that Michael left their house in a black SUV, but all of his belongings were left behind at their home. Weird. Everything. You're not going to start a whole new life with none of your things. Right. So, you know, it, that that in itself was like, how is that? So it's all left behind in the house that he owned with Lori. And Scott also felt that Lori was using Michael's Facebook account, posing as Michael. So this is what he's telling police when he's calling and making this welfare check. And why does he think that? Um, we'll go on to, to see. Okay. So he also let police know that right after Michael had gone missing, a concrete fire pit had suddenly appeared in the backyard of the property that he shared with Lori and Lori also got quickly remarried it was Scott's opinion as well as Michael's families that Michael would never have left his children to start a new family it's just not it's as if I said that about you I was thinking the same thing like there's zero chance in hell I don't care how much of a demon you would be I would not leave like my state or city or whatever to leave my kids mm-hmm so Mike's, and I'm going to alternate between calling him Michael and Mike. So Mike's older sister, Stacy Shaver, said he's a wonderful, caring man who would give the shirt off of his back to anyone who needed it. His two children were his absolute world. He loved his family, and we love him so very, very much. We miss him terribly, and we are looking for answers. So when police arrived to the Shaver home, which was situated on five acres at 9850 Sandy Pines Road in Claremont, Florida, Lori told police that Michael had left them. Very suddenly, he had gone to Georgia. The last time that he was even at their house, according to her, was when he picked up his belongings after his arrest for a domestic violence situation in September of 2014. Hmm. So she's like, oh, it's been more than four years. He's or about four years. He's not been to this house. Okay. So she was being very um, cooperative with police when they first came to the house. She said she had not personally seen him since a DCF custody trial in 2015. 
Lori was cooperative with police and allowed deputies to search the property until they began to focus on this concrete fire pit that was in the yard. So at that point in time, they're saying, hey, can we bring in a cadaver dog? You know, let them explore the slab. Just uh, just spitballing here. You mind if we bring in a cadaver dog to smell for your dead husband? In and the she's like, fire um, pit? no, no, that's not going to work for me. My name's Lori. <laughs> So she told deputies, please leave my property. If you come back, you better have a warrant. Well, I mean, it is her right. So police then learned, you know, as they're continuing their investigation, that Michael had no current cell phone. His Florida's driver's license had expired. His U.S. passport, his FAA pilots and medical certificate, everything had expired. Yeah, he would never let go of his pilot license if that's like, yeah, one of his loves. It was. So, you know, at this point in time, he had no driver's license in any other state his car had been repossessed in february of 2016 and again if you are deciding to leave the state to be with this other woman you would drive your car from florida to the state above which is georgia you wouldn't just leave your car right so nothing is making sense so there was also court paperwork for a civil lawsuit for non-payment of a credit card that had gone unserved since he was just unable to be located Every friend or family member of Michael indicated that he they had not seen him since the end of 2015. November was the big date that was being tossed around. But, you know, when time passes, people's memories become hazy. Sure. So Michael was entered into the National Crime Information Center and an official investigation for his disappearance is beginning based on this phone call by his friend Scott. So during the investigation... A man named Travis Filmer was spoken with, and this was somebody that Lori had began dating in approximately between January and April of 2016. So he told deputies that Lori had made a statement at some point that said, it's not that he's missing. He's just no longer walking this earth, is what she said of Michael. And she also said something bad had happened to him, and there was a body on the property. Okay. Yeah. So... (laughs) Okay, man, I can't wait to hear more about this. On November 7th, 2015, this was truly the last time there was a confirmed sighting of Michael in public. So Mike and Lori were out. They were seen by a co-worker. This is Frank Merritt. They were attending a tractor show. And at the time he bumped into the couple, Frank noted that Michael and Lori did not seem to be getting along that day. They left the show early to go home. At that point, Frank texted Michael the next day. He never received a response. Mm. So that's November 7th, 2015. And it's important to nail down these dates so you can start saying, okay, between these two times. Yeah. So then the next day, of course, is when he's texting. That's the 8th. Then the following day, the 9th, Michael did respond. He wrote that he was quitting work to save his marriage. I am quitting work. Do not contact me. I am going to a new life. And it's like, okay, well, you don't really have the financial capability of just quitting work because you want to save your marriage like you still have bills <laughs> right It'd it's kind of nice. like it I mean, would be nice yeah, yeah sure i'm going to concentrate on family but no not in america you cannot i'm do not that. a millionaire i <laughs> can't quit my job to focus on my my marriage like i have to do both right. so this was very out of the blue and unlike michael so who sent this text was it michael hmm i don't think so so then he was scheduled to actually work on november 10th and he never reported in he never officially called in to say he wouldn't be there Michael's boss, John Borglum, indicated that Michael was extremely reliable. As we hear time and time again, this is not like him. He wouldn't just not show up to his shift. So on November 11th, Lori sent a private message via her work server to her sister saying, Mike left yesterday. He packed his stuff. He went to the airport. But her stories, you will find as the story goes on, are conflicting. She tells different people different things. Mm. So on November 12th, John Borglum, the boss, texted Michael and received a response. I'm having issues at home in Georgia right now. Just fire me or I'll quit. I will not be returning anytime soon. So then the coworker Frank, who had bumped into them at that tractor show, he actually went to the Shaver home on November 13th. He was checking to see, you know, what's going on with Michael. Uh At that point in time, Lori told him that after they had gotten into a fight, because she found another woman's number in his phone, Michael left and went to Georgia. Frank asked Lori, how did he go since his car is sitting here? 
and Lori claimed that a friend named Robert Mercado picked him up and drove him there. Okay. Is there a friend named Robert Mercado? Yes, there is. So, of course, Robert Mercado was interviewed. He denied ever taking Michael to Georgia. He's like, leave me out of this whole thing, you psychopath. He's like, no, never happened. So over the years, like I had said, her story has changed. She would tell some people that Michael had gone to New York, even California. It seems like the main story she kind of stuck with was the Georgia story. So she told a boyfriend's mother that Michael was a pilot. He traveled a lot and then told her work supervisor that Michael was in jail for not paying child support, I should say. Mm. So So a lot of different things. And to me, it's like if you're going to make up this crazy story, pick one and stick with it. Yeah, that's the thing about crazy uh, folks. You know, they can't really stick to one thing, I guess. Clearly. Thank goodness, because this is only making her seem more guilty. Right. So on Monday, November 16th, Lori sent another message to her sister, Alicia, and told her that over the weekend, which would have been the 14th to the 15th, she did tons of yard work and cleaned up outside. So starting on November 9th, 2015, which was two days after Michael was last seen at the tractor show, friends and family began to receive Facebook messages from, quote, Michael, Mm -hmm. that did not sound like him. And this included the message to his boss that said, go ahead and fire me. I'm not going to be coming back anytime. That just did not sound like anything Michael would write. And like we talked about in our previous podcast, it's like everybody has a method of speaking mm-hmm. and whether you think so or not. And you can tell right away. You know, there, there was like a little TikTok challenge of people sending texts like the, uh, a copy and paste text to their like family members and seeing if they could pick up that it was them. And like everybody's like, this doesn't sound like you, mm-hmm. you know, so th- it, there's definitely a way. Yeah. Like our kids always make fun of me that I'm big on the dot 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 in the text because they'll hear me voice text are those ellipses or something i don't know i don't know and i'll be like hey dot 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 (laughs) and they're like oh god here she goes again with her dot 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 our daughter will spell it out dot dot (laughs) dot 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 dot. (laughs) so he also told them you know i'm not coming back to work you can leave you can you can have my tools i'm not picking them up these are expensive tools he would not just leave his tools and not come and get them. Yeah, any like real mechanic or you know person that's handy has thousands of dollars worth of tools. Right, and he did. So he also told his friend Robert, and again, this is the person that Lori is claiming drove him to Georgia, to leave me alone, don't bother me. Ooh, can't really say that if you're driving me to Georgia. Right. Can we, Lori? When Robert planned to spend Thanksgiving at the Shaver home is when he's telling him, don't bother me, leave me alone. Again, his friend wouldn't just say that to him. No. So in January of 2016, Michael's sister, Christine, reached out to Michael via Facebook and received a reply that said, everyone just needs to leave me alone just like they did my entire life. In September of 2016, it was 10 months after he was last seen, Michael's niece Desiree sent a Facebook message to him and received a reply, who are you? I don't have family anymore. I have no clue who you are now, so stop messaging me. So Michael's family did point out that Lori would not have recognized Desiree's maiden name, but had it been Michael reading that, they would he would have known exactly that that was his niece. Sure. So it's likely that Lori didn't recognize the name, and that's why she wrote wrote in michael's name leave me alone who are you yeah so as late as january 2nd 2018 michael's facebook page continued to be updated with posts wow so after november 9th 2015 this is right around the time he's disappearing michael's debit card was never used again for any in-store purchases but on November 19th and the 23rd of November of 2015, two separate online purchases were made at a place called Wish.com. It used his debit card, and these purchases included female lingerie and clothing items that was shipped to Lori at her home. Hmm. So on November 30th, 2015, there was a check for $2,539 that had been mailed from Mariner Finance in Leesburg, Florida to Michael to his home address. On December 11th, 2015, the back of the check was endorsed, but the signature was not legible. It included Michael's social security number and cell phone number, and three days later, the money was deposited into Michael's Chase account via an ATM in Claremont. So, you know, money is being handled and put into Michael's account, despite the fact that he's nowhere to be seen. Well, clearly it's Lori. So does Lori have a job? Uh, they did not mention, but yes, because they said she was sending messages to her sister mm-hmm. through an, an at-work server. Ah. So yeah, she's working. Okay. So between December 14th to the 30th, multiple ATM withdrawals and purchases were made with the shipping address labeled to Lori. 
the person that was making withdrawals and deposits would need to have the ability to intercept Michael's mail from his secure community mailbox, have access to a social security number, his ATM card for two weeks, his PIN number, as well as the knowledge that Michael wouldn't be around to notice these fraudulent deposits. Well, he's probably dead and it's probably his wife. Yes. (laughs) And then there's these multiple withdrawals and packages being shipped to his home. So the account was eventually overdrawn and never used again, and no purchases were ever sent to Georgia where Lori is claiming that Mike is staying. Or anywhere else. Anywhere else. Yep, just your house. So over the course of three years, Mariner Finance was trying to contact Michael to collect on this loan, but of course they had no success. By the beginning of December of 2015, Lori began attempting to sell Michael's guns, his tools, and his car. So when one man who was a potential buyer actually came to the Shaver home, he came on either December 6th or 7th, Lori was home alone. She's telling the man that the items belong to her husband who just left, and since she didn't know where he was, she now considered these items hers. So while he was there to purchase the guns, Lori also offered to sell him Michael's car without the title, as well as his tractor, as well as the house and the property, all for $150,000. So she's basically like, here, take it all. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good deal. I don't care, you know, where, who you are or where you are. So the man found it odd that Michael would have left. So this is some, like, stranger coming to the house <laughs> to purchase like, the guns. I'm just looking for a couple guns. I don't need an entire estate. This sounds really fishy. Yeah, so he himself is finding this strange, um, that he would have left without any of his belongings. So, again, he's a stranger standing there, and he's like, this just doesn't make sense. I'd be like, huh, definitely don't want to get involved in this. I'm just going to turn around and go back home. Walk slowly back to my car. (laughs) And yeah, keep an eye on her. Be like, okay, no, I'll I'll call you tomorrow. So then another friend of the family asked to borrow one of Michael's tools and Lori was leading them to the shed where the tools were kept. And the man was like, oh, do you think Michael's going to mind that I'm borrowing this? And she replied, oh, no, he's not going to care again. He's never going to be back. So, I mean, that's very telling. For sure. Another friend of the family was at the Shaver house and Michael disappeared after Michael had disappeared. And she remembers seeing what she believed to be Michael's cell phone sitting there. Again, you wouldn't leave your cell phone behind. I mean, like this day and age, it's just like part of us. You know, it's more important than a wallet Mm because it is your wallet a lot of times. It's everything. So after November 3rd, 2015, Lori never tried to call Michael's cell phone again, despite the fact that previously she would call him multiple times a week. So again, why isn't she calling his cell phone? Yeah, you would think she'd be a little broken up about it, you know, just like like an ego hit, you know, he just wanted to leave me like, come on, like try to get him back a couple times, maybe. Right. If your husband just up and left your family and your children, you would be trying to get a hold of him. Yeah, sending pictures of your kids or something, be like, this is what you left, you a-hole, even if you hate him, you mm-hmm. know, like something like Make that. Make him feel guilty. Yeah, send him some Facebook messages. So in February of 2016, Lori allowed Michael's car to be repossessed. It's believed that the fire pit was constructed in March of 2016. The concrete slab that was around it was later poured in September of 2016. This is based on, you know, different reports as well as different pictures. So like we're thinking like wintertime and yeah, I'm trying to think of where his body would be, but this is Florida yeah. and it's always pretty nice in Florida, even in December, January. I mean, it might get down to 30s or 20s. They probably lived in the Orlando area. Yeah. Claremont, Florida. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's never going to be freezing ground. No, you're never going to have a frozen ground. So yeah. it do- that doesn't matter. If you were thinking somewhere up north, yeah, that'd be a factor, but not not in this situation. So apparently this whole concrete slab and whatnot was poured by both Lori and her boyfriend, Travis Fillmore. They actually marked their initials into the concrete. Travis is the one that said that Lori made that statement, he's no longer walking this earth. So Travis later indicated that before the concrete was poured, there was a hole that was dug. It was only three or four inches deep, but he did find it odd because he's seeing the dirt at the edge of the property that came from this hole that was dug. And he's like, that dirt is way bigger than this hole. So that didn't make sense to him, what he was looking at. Yeah, leftover dirt. But he's like, okay, well, whatever. He didn't really do anything about it. Sometimes as men, we're just trying to keep our women happy. Yeah, so and Lori is claiming, yeah, it came from that hole. And he's like, it was far too large for a hole that small. Mm. So the fire pit was seen in the background of a photo that Lori had posted on Facebook on February 27th, 2017. So we know it's well established at that point. That's why they're thinking it was done in 2016. It was also seen on Google Earth Images in March of 2017. Oh, that's crazy. I love that. Yep. There was one story I was listening to where like a Google photo was taken and it was actually like saw the bodies like oh, in a in a story. Isn't that crazy? crazy? It is. 
So during this time, Lori continued to claim that she had been personally in contact with Michael. Uh-huh. And where? When? So... <laughs> and no, any digital methods of this or only like uh, smoke signals? Like, what are you talking about here? Yeah, she's fully claiming that she's in communication with him. Sure. So after Lori told family and friends that Michael had left, she would indicate that she had seen and spoken with him and that he was stalking her. However, despite her saying he, she was being stalked, she never reported this to police. So Lori told Travis that she was divorced. The two actually got married on December 31st, 2016 in a backyard ceremony, despite the fact that her marriage to Michael was still valid. And you got to wonder, I'm sure you're going to tell us, but I'm wondering if Travis knows more about this. Like you'd have to think it came out somewhere or he saw something that happened or heard. I don't don't know. He may not have known her at the point that something happened. Right, right. And just came in afterward. But like, how did she, there's so many questions. Like, how did she get rid of his body? How did she move him around? I'm sure he was bigger than her. He wasn't a very big guy okay he wasn't but you know i'm sure he, still it's yeah hard for him to move a body anywhere right so when her sister-in-law asked Lori told her that she and michael had gone to the courthouse to finalize their divorce they were kept in separate rooms when that happened on Lori and travis's wedding night apparently Lori had some sort of breakdown she locked herself in the bedroom and after getting upset she pulled out a gun but however family was able to like talk her down and uh, Travis, her. Travis, run for the hills, man. This is your signal. And like, this is your wedding oh, night. My this is the rest of your life. It, like, you don't, if you don't like the way this whole thing looks, it only gets more interesting after the wedding day. Right. I mean, that's scary. So records indicated that Lori never tried to collect child support payments from Michael for their two children. She never reported him missing. There are no records that either Michael or Lori ever filed for divorce. So he made more than her because in Florida, it just goes on whoever makes more than you have child support. So. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the circumstances of the divorce are. It's simply math. Who makes more than the other? And that person's going to be paying. And obviously she was you know, hurting for money with all these payments coming towards her. So, you know, you got to figure she would go after something. Yes. It had he Legally. been alive and well she would be collecting child support oh, payments. Oh, there's so many red flags. I mean, just all over the place. There's holes in this. So um, after November 7th, 2015, no one had ever spoken with Michael. There is no indication that he existed anywhere in the world after this point. So November 7th, 2015 is like the big one. So Michael and Lori, who were high school sweethearts, had a very tumultuous relationship. On September 4th, 2014, This is what I was referring to with that domestic violence call that she said he never came home after this. Yeah, he got arrested for it. So Lori called the police to their house after she and Michael got into a fight over a home repair project. When when police arrived at the home, Michael was on the back porch. He told police that their argument turned violent very quickly. He actually wasn't sure who touched who first. It sounds like they were both abusive to each other. That's sad. It really is. So when they spoke quick or when they spoke with Lori, she told police that Michael had grabbed her and pushed her into a wall and then went to their bedroom to get his gun, which they struggled over. Oh, my God. Like I mean, both are running for a and gun. There are two children in this house. Oh, gosh, it's so scary. Yeah. And sad that they had to see this. So during their struggle over the gun, Michael was struck in the head. And, you know, he sustained injuries from that. Lori grabbed the car keys out of Michael's pocket during the struggle. She left the house with her two kids. Officers did note bruising to Lori's arms and back. And when police questioned Michael about this, he said that he probably just grabbed her by the arms to calm her down. He's not sure it happened so fast. He said that during their argument, Lori threw a vase of flowers through the sliding glass door. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, that's very toxic. A co-worker of Michael's, which is Michelle Rippey, said about Lori, she is an evil woman. She was always very jealous, and she had attacked him more than once. Well, you hear about Michael. It's like he would have given the shirt off his back. What about Lori? Uh, evil woman, clearly. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and we don't know what the circumstances are with these domestic violence disputes between them. You know, for all I know, Michael may have been knocking Lori around a lot. I don't know. I'm right. not, not going to say that, you know. It's, not that he did. Not that he did. Yeah, I don't, don't know. know. Right. So Michael was arrested and he was charged with battery because it's believed that he's the one that pulled out the weapon, though he and Lori's statements were conflicting. So it's a he said, she said. 
That's so, the hard part. I wonder how they prove that. Because well, just like n- listening to it, it almost seems like because she, she seems more kind of off kilter, you know. Right. So I would think like she's running for the gun, you know. And then he's probably like, "Oh my god, don't get the gun!" Like right. she's capable of actually shooting me with the kids here. And we know she got the gun when she married Travis on their wedding night. She did get the gun right. and had to be talked down at that point. Right. So, we didn't know that at the time, but it's just like I, if I could pick either one, you know, I, we don't know a lot about Michael, but I mean, Lori's definitely capable of doing something like that right and i did talk to our friend who's a police officer about he they get so many domestic violence calls and i said so who gets in trouble and it's usually the one who threw the first punch sometimes they can't tell sometimes it's based on who's roughed up more yeah so obviously michael was bleeding and injured in his head she had bruises they both did but because it's believed he's the one that pulled out the weapon he actually got arrested and charged yeah so, again, they had conflicting statements. So, afterward, he agreed to a plea deal that allowed him to enter into a 12-month pretrial intervention program. He actually completed this program in as little as six months. So, you know, he, he did get in trouble for this. So, after this incident, Michael and Lori did separate. He began living in an airplane hangar at work. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So in November of 2014, Michael began dating a coworker named Kendall. Lori was also dating at this time. A uh, girl or guy? Uh, she, Lori. Uh, oh, Kendall. Kendall is a girl. Okay. So Kendall indicated that according to Lori, she was allowed to date whoever she wanted, but Michael was not. And during one conversation, Lori threatened that she, that he would never see his kids again if he continued to date someone. Could you imagine being married to somebody who's just so out of their mind and unreasonable yeah just like man i mean i get it i get it you know physical altercations that's not cool at all i mean it, it's hard i'm just i guess i'm just lucky i don't know what this is all about so i can't put too much judgment here and that's what i was saying to our friend who breaks up these domestic fights because oftentimes these people will like choose to stay together and it's like man alive i can't imagine like the police getting involved to break up our fight like that's how toxic we've become together yeah and you know what, what i always think back to is when we were first raising our kids they, they used to talk about i read it something in a book that said anytime a, a, a an adult gets physical like hits their kids or another human it's really just a temper tantrum yeah it's a temper tantrum from going to be a three-year-old to being a 30-year-old like you being not being able to keep yourself together is a temper tantrum so these two you know th- their tempers are just so flared up that they get physical about it that's when you've gone too far you never have to get physical unless one person does first right but that person shouldn't have gotten physical in the first place correct correct and you're right it is it's like a temper tantrum i'm just not a physical person like I've, i don't think i've ever hit anybody in my life no well, so, thank goodness, and likewise so we're so far so good so Lori is setting up this double standard during this time that they're separated and they're both dating that she's allowed to but he's not which that makes no sense <laughs> must be nice to just be able to tell you the husband that you hate what what he can and can't do so she made it very clear to him that she planned to use their children as a pawn to get what she wanted Oof. so during their brief relationship between michael and kendall Lori frequently harassed kendall through various ways she would especially use use facebook messenger it sounds like she loves facebook so that was my first guess yep so she's told kendall that she was going to expose her to her family as a homewrecker another time she's calling kendall's mom's house who lives in another state waking this person up at 3 a.m saying is kendall there <laughs> it's like um no okay that's crazy but it's also funny like we gotta <laughs> we gotta point it out like just that's actually kind of funny it's like no kendall's not here like if, if that happened to us like i'd probably do the same thing like just call your parents and be like hey uh yeah is allison there just just kind of wondering 3 a.m i'm just wondering oh she's not okay hey okay, have a great night we'll, we'll sleep tight well i can't sleep okay bye So in April of 2015, then she's trying to get Kendall in trouble through work. So Lori's actually calling Disney HR. She's filing a complaint on Kendall using some sort of photos from Facebook. So she's basically trying to make her life a living hell. Yeah, you don't want to cross this woman. So she also created two Facebook pages and sent friend requests to Kendall through these two pages she was creating. When Michael stayed the night at Kendall's, he would stop at the airplane hangar first to be sure that Lori was not following him. 
Another time, Michael called Kendall and told her, hey, you're on your way to work. I need you to park in a different location at Disney because Lori is on her way and she has a gun. Oh, my God. That's where you're fearing for your life at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So in May of 2015, Kendall actually said, I got to end this relationship with you, Michael, because I am tired of this harassment from your wife, who is clearly not stable. Yeah, I don't care about how cool this relationship is. It's not worth it. No, it's not worth my life. Good for her. So after the relationship ended, Michael returned home to live with Lori and their two children. So boom, right there is conflicting because she told the police he hadn't come and lived here since our fight in September of 2014 when he got arrested. So that clearly wasn't true. So a witness and a friend of the Shavers, who's Mary Lewinberg, she said that she received a message from Michael and it was either 2014 or 2015. She wasn't sure, but it was before he had disappeared. And he told Mary that Lori wanted his life insurance. So Mary wrote back, she's got to kill you first. And Michael wrote, she tried to yesterday, I'm sure. So what he was meaning in in this, we don't know. Uh. So Michael also told her that Lori would take over his Facebook account and his cell phone to pretend to be him if anything did happen to him. They have that in writing? Yes. Apparently, Mary came to the police and told them this. Uh, uh, He nailed it. So Michael's co-worker indicated that three to four months before he went missing, he noticed several bruises on Mike's face, chest, and arms. When they talked about it, he explained that Lori had become irate about something and began to punch him with closed fists. So his friend is asking Michael, why didn't you fight back? And Michael's like, it's just not worth it. Well, he knows how it's going to go. He's already on his record, and they're going to look at him again right. and be like, are you hitting her again, man? And it's, well, good for him for, for controlling himself. So police spoke with a married man whose name is Jeremy Townsend, who had begun dating Lori in September of 2015, which was two months before Michael disappeared. He told police that Lori told him that she had left her husband. The first time he came to the Shaver home was December of 2015, you know, maybe a month after um, Michael had disappeared. He noticed that there were dark spots on Lori's jeans that he believed were were bloodstains just looking at them. So he asked her, is that blood? And she changed her jeans, never wore them again, despite the fact that prior to this, she would wear them on average about three times a week. So, you know, that was telling that something had happened. I was looking up Lori Shaver to see if she's decent looking, uh, just because like these guys are dating her. Even this married man is dating her and she's pretty pretty yeah she's pretty pretty uh, good looking yeah so starting in february of 2016 jeremy's wife because again he was married this is vanessa she's starting to receive facebook messages from michael's account that she didn't read because you know how when you're not friends with somebody like the messages go to a place that you don't see yeah facebook's trying to prevent you from spam so she's not seeing these messages she's not reading them so then she was also getting text messages from someone that was claiming to be michael in april she actually received a flower delivery to her her work with a message that said roses are red violets are blue my wife is a whore your husband is too (laughs) sorry about this check your facebook messages we need to talk and it was signed mike shaver so according to messages via facebook messenger as well as the text messages she was receiving mike in quotes is telling vanessa that he installed a spy app on Lori's phone that captured explicit messages and photos that were shared between Lori and jeremy so the purpose was of this whole uh, communication was for Vanessa to leave Jeremy. This chick, Lori, just like <laughs> loves going off on these tangents and like loves getting into people's lives and like wrecking them or do, causing all kinds of crazy right. stuff. Right. Like she wants to control the whole situation. And this Facebook is allowing her to do it. Mm-hmm. So at this point in time, her goal is to break up this marriage. So um, when Vanessa wrote back and spoke about staying with Jeremy, Mike is, and again with quotes, Mike is insinuating that he believed that Lori was pregnant with Jeremy's baby. So she's only upping the ante. So Mike also shared contact information of a good divorce attorney to Vanessa. Vanessa ended up confronting Jeremy about the affair, which he did admit. And in April of 2016, Jeremy actually broke off his relationship with Lori. So it did not work. You know, they stayed together. So Jeremy told police that Lori got a tattoo with his nickname, Jay, in a heart over her 
Virginia. Oh, wow. That's a dedication right there. I mean, that is, yeah, that's really dedicated to with a married man. Like she's getting his name tattooed above her vagina. He's married. Okay. That makes sense. I just picture, well, you know, if I'm dating you, you're going to have to have an M there. So go ahead and just cross off that one and put mine above it. (laughs) And then the next guy, you can put it above there. So once she got this tattoo, he realized that she was far more serious about this relationship (laughs) than he was. He's like, listen, um, I'm not getting your tattoo, your name tattooed on me, just so that's clear. And this is kind of weird. So I don't want to see that. (laughs) He said he viewed their relationship as nothing but purely sexual. Yeah. So both Jeremy and Vanessa shared their information with police that included over 600 pages of text messages, Facebook messages, and photos between Mike Shaver and Vanessa. So that is a lot of communication. Yeah. So it sounds like Vanessa was truly being harassed mm. by Mike. Right. And again, I use that as it, it was not Mike. Right. So um, in February of 2016, Lori texted Jeremy demanding to know why he was wearing his wedding ring again. Again, I should say. Police discovered that the text messages sent to Vanessa from Mike came from a number that had only been registered to Lori and had not been active during the time before Mike disappeared. Ooh, there's your mistake. So this is being activated after the last, you know, he was last seen. The flower arrangement had been purchased on Lori's checking account. I mean, she's not good about this. Yeah, getting a little sloppy. It's almost like she wants to be caught. She's sick of it. So on March 9th, 2018, now we're looping back to where we started the story after this welfare check had been called in and after the police had been kindly asked to leave her property when they mentioned cadaver dogs, she said, go get a warrant. Well, that's what they did. So on March 9th, 2018, deputies did serve a search warrant for a cadaver dog and ground penetrating radar to the Shaver property. During the search, they found the skeletal remains of Michael Shaver. Uh, Under the fire pit? Yep. Three feet beneath the concrete slab fire pit, which was only a few feet away from where Lori married Travis. Wow. Because they had a backyard ceremony. They, I was When you said backyard, I'm like, what, right next to her husband's remains? Right next to her husband's remains. And you knew she probably like relished that. She's oh. just like, yes. Ooh, oh. that just is Gross. so eerie to me. So when they found his skeletal remains, he was wearing socks, shorts, and underwear and had been wrapped in a tarp and a fitted sheet that had been secured with ratchet straps. The sheet was queen size and had been purchased at Kohl's, which was a store that Lori absolutely frequented. A lot of Kohl's cash. Proven by her bank records, she was a big Kohl's gal. So uh, DNA analysis confirmed that the remains did belong to Michael and his cause of death was from a single gunshot wound to the back of the head. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. I I was wondering the whole time, like, how did she take care of him, poisoning or whatever, but she likes her guns. And the back of the head is just really, it got me because, you know, he was like turning away or whatever. He had no idea it was coming. Yep. So a 38 caliber bullet was recovered from Michael's skull and the time of death, which was very broad was determined to be several months to several years prior to the discovery. But again, we can all pinpoint it down to this November 7th, 2015. So again, it's believed he was killed between November 7th and November 10th of 2015. That's the narrow down date. So a second search warrant for the Shaver home utilized Blue Star, which allows for the detection of blood stains that are invisible to the naked eye. This indicated a positive reaction to the track of the sliding door that led from the dining room to the porch. Mm. It showed a drip-like pattern down the outside of the trailer between the house and the porch. This substance, as well as hairs, were found in the area but failed to demonstrate a sufficient amount of DNA for STR DNA analysis, which is short tandem repeat. So swabs from the interior lower door track of the sliding door showed a mixture of DNA from Lori Shaver and two unrelated individuals, Hmm. with at least one being a male. Michael Shaver could not either be excluded or um, included as a contributor to the DNA that was found. In March of 2020, so this was discovered in March of 2018, she wasn't um, even arrested at this point yet. Oh, my gosh. Yes. She knew it was coming, though. (laughs) She knew it was coming. So in March of 2020, Lori made a YouTube video seeking donations for her defense and claimed that she would never cause any harm to the father of her children. And you know somebody probably gave money. 
I, I mean, you know, there's probably people that she worked with or whatever it might be. They're like, oh, I feel bad. Here's 10 bucks. Yeah, I don't it's think like, so. And then you think about it. You're like, holy cow, this is bad. She said that people are trying to paint a certain picture of her, but she says that she is loving, caring, and has a servitude heart. They're painting this picture based on the photo of what you actually did. They're looking at this photo being like, yeah, okay, we're painting a picture. This is you murdered your husband. That's because what you are you the way it. that you are. Right. What do I always say? Why, Why are, are you, you the, the way, way you, you are? are? From the office. From the office, yeah. She says that she does not judge people. She accepts all and she tries to see the good in everybody. That's true. Yep. Uh-huh. So and the good uh, as far as like, you know, just harassing them online or putting mm-hmm. them underground. 600 pages of like messages between her and Vanessa. I mean, that's absolute Obsessive. harassment. Yeah. So it wasn't until September 17th, 2020, that Lori Shaver was arrested. She was charged with second degree murder, domestic violence, and accessory after the fact. She entered a not guilty plea and posted a $50,000 bail in December of 2020. She actually returned home to her two children to await trial. Oh, how does that work? That you, that, you know, she murdered a kid. How old were the kids? Uh, know? I know one was seven around that time. Okay. So that's, I mean, that. how do you send home this woman who is just convicted or possibly, you know, charged? She's being charged with killing the, her husband. the murder of her husband. And she's going back to her kids. Yeah. So you got to think that there's a danger there. They must have deemed her not a danger to her children. Yeah. So in the so of course now at this point she's she's home and the case has experienced multiple delays partially because of the pandemic. So on May 8th of 2023, she's just been home this whole time. So suddenly on May 8th of 2023, Lori's lawyer lawyer informed the court of having a testimony from a minor child that confessed to committing Mike's murder. Oh my god, is this somebody she brainwashed? Like what the, At the time of Mike's disappearance, this child would have been seven years old. This child is now 14. A motion was filed by Lori's attorney that indicated that Lori and Mike's daughter got a hold of a gun and shot her father to protect her mother, who was being abused by him. Oh, my God. The child is now wanting to testify because she does not want to see her mom go to jail for a crime that she did not do. This is exactly why you don't put this woman with her kids. Like the home. <sighs> what kind of grooming and brainwashing has gone on in this time that after, you know, years of being home after her arrest awaiting trial, this child is now owning. Now, keep in mind, he was shot once to the back of the head. Yeah. Is a seven-year-old going to be able to do that? Well, you'd have to look at the angle of it and everything. Uh, Hopefully, you know, they can see that. I mean, it'd be like, no, she'd have to get up on a ladder to have done this from that height. You know, you don't know exactly her height, but you can guess it. And that's this woman just like ruining this kid's life. Yes. We all know she didn't do it. So, I mean, could would a seven-year-old be capable of grabbing a gun and shooting their father in the back of the head? Yeah, I suppose it's possible. Yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, th- th- with all these red flags with Lori, no, that, that that's not the case. So, Lori is claiming that she did not kill Mike, but her child, as well as her now ex-boyfriend, shot at Mike. Now, when the... the Name I keep hearing is Jeremy, the married guy. Yeah. That he was there when it happened and that both her seven-year-old and Jeremy shot at Mike, but only one gunshot killed him. There was one single gunshot to his head that killed him. Okay. So there's stories that are kind of, you know, we don't really know the rest, how this is all Right. There's a lot we don't know. So reports indicate that the child acted out because of repeated violence within the home by Michael Shaver. The defense wants the child to undergo psychological or sociological evaluation to prepare for this testimony that this child would have to undergo. Oh, my gosh. So it's unclear what charges the child could face because this is all just coming out in May. And, and I mean, as a good mother, wouldn't you just like take it on the chin for her? Maybe, you know, be like, OK, I don't yeah. want you going to jail for the rest of your life. I'll just say I did it. Right. Like, I, I would probably do that for my kids. Just like, you know, it's. What a scumbag she is. So in the United States, there is no federally mandated minimum age of court jurisdiction, and many states, with Florida being included, do not have a minimum age of criminal culpability. Florida did pass a law prohibiting the arrest of criminal charging of children under age seven, except in cages cases, excuse me, a forcible felony, which is a category that includes murder and manslaughter. So at this point in time, Lori is still awaiting trial. This bombshell was just dropped a few months ago about this child (sighs) that actually Lori and the child themselves is claiming the child is saying, I want to testify. I did this. I don't want my mom to go to jail. 
on something she didn't do. Poor thing. Isn't that sad? Yeah. I mean, it's so, so she was like seven when it happened. So probably 13 ish now or whatever. 14 now. 14 now. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That's like. This could ruin this child's life. Did this actually happen? Who the hell knows? We don't know. Did the child pick up the gun and shoot her father in the head? Or is Lori trying to say, hey, you you were only seven at the time. You won't get in trouble because if I go, mommy goes away to jail, I won't be here. You'll be orphans. No, no. Like Lori actually seems a little smart. Um, I think what she would do is be like, you remember when you shot your dad and whatever? It would be that. It wouldn't like be making like gaslighting. Yeah, yeah. Gaslighting would be the way to do this. I'm not the, like that I'm teaching people, but like you wouldn't want to do it because she could break she could be like no i don't really want to go to jail because then the, the investigators would be and she'd be like this is ruining your life you know um so she would be like remember when you shot her and then your memories become fuzzy and like all you, of a sudden she thinks yeah i did shoot my dad if like that's why the mm-hmm. brain is like so like you get testimony seven years later it might have been nothing close to what happened right we our memories aren't very accurate yeah. oftentimes and we're very imaginative like the, your imagination's always going and changing things well and especially when you're a child and your father has been killed and is buried in your freaking back backyard where you've been playing that can really screw up a, a child's like thinking and then they can get poisoned more easily because they're already in this vulnerable state and there's people that can get tricked into thinking that they're in a sick like that they're sick all the time yeah they, well they you hear about enough. the munchausen's right munchausen's is perfect the story we did on um, that one girl her mom just kept on saying you're sick you can't walk and it's like her body thought she couldn't walk yeah so this mom Lori, she could be telling her child you kill daddy you kill daddy and all of a sudden three years after after she hears it every day for the rest of her life, she thinks she killed her that's father. That's very possible, too. Now, I'm not saying this is all alleged, but... Well, sure. We don't know what actually happened that that day that Michael got killed. We don't I'm, know. I'm only saying that because I don't want to get in trouble for anything. But And, I mean, you know, Lori is bringing up Jeremy's name that he was there and he also shot at Michael. There's no reason to believe that that's true. Jeremy has not been arrested or anything like that. Well, we got to find out what he was doing those days. Right, right. And was she dating him at this time or was she dating that Travis guy? <sighs> or no, married to the Travis guy? They, he, She had yet to meet Travis at that point. Okay, so if anything, is, it would be Jeremy. Yes. Okay, interesting. Yeah, right. so there's a lot we still don't know about this they have yet to go to trial despite the fact that the cadaver dogs found his body back in 2018 well covid kind of threw a wrench in everything but why wasn't she arrested until 2020 Um, that's kind of my thought process because they had to get the smoking gun they had to get her killing him they but, found his body in her backyard. That but doesn't she mean she's definitely killed him. pretending to be him. Yeah, well, yeah, but that's still not illegal. Yeah, I so, guess so. It's, you got to get them on the illegal thing, you know, like right there. You got to connect those two Knowing things. Knowing the body was in her backyard, that's right. illegal. And they can't arrest her because that's when the clock starts ticking. Once mm-hmm. you arrest them, and it's like, okay, you got to find something, you know, in, in the statute of limitations and all that kind of stuff. So they're like, they don't want to go after it until they think they have her. Do you think she shot Michael or do you think the seven year old did? <laughs> I think you'd have to be an idiot to think that the seven year old year old did it but is it possible in florida absolutely well it's possible anywhere you yeah, know if sure. a child sees their mother getting the crap beaten out of them who knows yeah i don't know but right right i mean i personally feel like it was Lori. i yeah i mean there's a lot of red flags around mm-hmm. Lori. she's like, a very manipulative person very looks like a duck quacks like a duck it's a duck it's a duck mm-hmm. and uh we got to put that duck in jail so that is the story of the murder of michael shaver and unsolved so laurie hope uh hope you're sitting well with yourself and possibly alleged brainwashing your child but ugh, man that's i mean nobody wins in this case no not at all well, thank you for telling us about michael shaver and uh hopefully you know he's brought to justice or you know the, the people that did that well thank you so much for listening we appreciate it and we want to welcome two new patrons to the crime and coffee couple club they are michelle and kaylee so thank you so much for your patronage and uh, if you'd like to become a patron go ahead look down in the show notes um we've got uh you know a lot of a lot of different things going on the amazon seller thing we got like you know different things we've talked about on the show go ahead and check them out um i don't know so yeah we allison's frowny patches if you want to get into those you want to see how beautiful allison looks oh yeah striking you want to look actually as maybe as you allison. don't want to because then you're going to say frownies <laughs> don't work <laughs> frownies actually contacted us and said can you stop <laughs> talking about stop our product? talking about our product because she is hideous <laughs> we don't want this <laughs> that face <laughs> cannot represent our company if thank any, you have a great day if anything it's probably me like yeah the obese guy talking about frownies it doesn't fit so <laughs> it's fine um anyways hey thank you so much for listening we appreciate each and every one of you tell your friends co-workers uh family everybody and uh we'll see you next week and until next time bye, bye.